is the People Show on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. Here's Big Nazar and Randy Janda. Final hour of the People Show. Coming to you live from the Kintech studio, Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 1,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fits at Kintech.net. Hour of the People Show brought to you by Avenue Machinery and Douglas Lake Equipment, your Kubota All-Star team, avenuemachinery.ca, douglaslakeequipment.com. Talk to Ian McIntyre in just a moment. Getting ready for a season. Whistler, training camp tomorrow. Sources tell us that he's on his way up to Whistler as he's going to be talking to us. Awesome drive. Word on the streets. Word on the streets. My, uh, I, I told you I was celebrating my uh, 10 year anniversary with the company. That's right. So my first station was uh, Squamish, the one on the Mount, okay. Mount FM. So I'd make that drive all the time up towards Squamish. Part of the appeal of that gig was uh, that Sea to Sky view. Maybe they planted the trees in Squamish for you. Can you imagine? I would love that. If it was nearby, man. We need to get to the bottom of this. Yeah. Where, we, we, where are said trees planted? Questions to management. Uh, let's uh, connect with Ian McIntyre. Since that is a presentation of Grip Auto and Tire, Ian, how are you? I'm doing very well. Enjoying the view. It's a lovely day. Safely pulled over to the side of the road now. But uh, what a glorious Glorious province. Congratulations on 10 years. Oh, thank you. Thank Who'd you. have thought it? I, certainly not me. <laughs> not me. Yeah, 10 years today. On, on, on the, the Earth, Wind, and Fire Day. So I, I, I get to celebrate the 21st oh. of, of, of September for, for multiple reasons. Excellent. Excellent. I passed five years, uh, I don't know, a few days ago, I guess. Okay. And uh, heard nothing from anyone. Well, have I mean, I got to be fair. Tree? Have I got a tree growing for me somewhere? Yeah. Check your email. Oh, okay. okay. It, if, it, it says there. If not, like, hey. if not, Ian, we can plant one for you. Oh, yeah. We're, we're, we're happy to we're do it ourselves. Yeah. Palm yeah. tree somewhere in Steveston. Well, you know what? Uh, as as an aside, uh, and I don't know why I feel the need to tell the story, but when we, I got married. We love the asides. Yeah. When I got married a long time ago, you know how you have to give little gifts to people because the the presence of your company is not enough for them in the free meal. So you got to <laughs> give them a gift for coming to your wedding, something little. So we gave uh, cedar saplings to everybody, and there are now uh, at least a few that I know of that are still growing in various parts of the world. So I feel pretty good about that. That's pretty cool. All around good guy, Ian McIntyre. Look, look at that. that. You learn something new about you, Ian, every time you're on. I, I think some, some of the guests probably violated cross-border customs. Well, I- Laws by bringing. I wasn't going to bring that up. It's like, so are there like weird areas that should not have cedar trees there? Uh, Well, there's one near my dad's hometown in Scotland, and uh, the rest, that's the farthest one. And then there's a couple scattered around lower mainland. So, yeah, I think think we're okay. I was hoping you'd say what, like one in like Fiji. That would would have been a cool story. (laughs) I I just picture uh, like grade five classes just wondering where the cedar uh tree explosion happened it's like oh it was it was the mcintyre wedding in, in, yeah. in vancouver so many years ago yeah well i think it's a single cedar uh in in scotland but we had we had some left over and on our first a- anniversary i planted one i'm not going to say at a park which park because i know it's quite illegal to go 
plant a tree in a park. But there were a lot of there were a lot of other cedars there. It felt like that would be a good home for it. Fair. And it's it's still there. And so occasionally on our anniversary or just some other time, we walk by and we see our tree, and uh, it makes us happy. Uh, Vic Nazar, Randy Janda here on the People Show. It is uh, Ian McIntyre joining us. Triple Threat, Sportsnet.ca on radio and also on television as well. Uh, so they meet with media today, and uh, things get real tomorrow. Uh, Randy and I were talking of our own takeaways from the messaging today. Uh, what was a primary takeaway for you uh, this morning? Well, I wasn't there, so I'll be honest with you on that because I I was in Penticton. I talked to Alvine, I talked to Rutherford, and I talked to Bo, and I talked to Miller. So I didn't really see a need to sure. go there on a on a travel day, especially since, as you know, well, I I don't know. There could be a a new piece up for me on Sportsnet.ca with a training camp preview. That's what I was that's what I was tasked with doing today. But I have heard, of course, I've heard a lot of clips. Uh, you can't really uh, escape them. You, you're aware of them, whether you, you like it or not, because they come on, they come over uh, Twitter, live stream. So uh, nothing, nothing at all uh, surprised me. Uh, I like that the players have embraced this idea that at a minimum, they need to be a playoff team. And, and that's a minimum. That That's, that's the over under when you you know you bet the over under if you if you win it's yeah okay you hit the over it's usually not jubilation so i'm not saying that they should be satisfied if they just make the playoffs but that has to be that has to be the minimum i mean look at look at the ages of the these players now and and the team they had and they have some deficiencies obviously uh, especially towards the bottom of the defense but every team most teams have some kind of deficiencies but you look at the players that they have on on their roster the fact that they added Mikheyev and Kuzmenko and Kuzmenko let's acknowledge right now it's he's a complete wild card could be a bust could get him 50 points who knows but he's a very talented and sought after free agent that they landed Mikheyev I think we we know what to expect from him. They upgraded uh, the fourth line with with uh, Joshua and, and Lazar. Nobody talks about Joshua, but the intent of the organization when they signed him is he actually is going to be on the NHL team. So you, you look at all this, all, all these players, and then look at their ages. and And JT Miller is twenty nine because it's been mentioned a thousand times since the end of last season how old JT Miller is. Still not old as a player. Might be old for a seven-year contract. We'll see, but still in in his prime. You know, Bo Horvat's twenty-seven. Thatcher Demko's twenty-six. Brock Besser's twenty-five. Pedersen's twenty-three. Hughes is twenty-two. And then you look at some of the other players who let's call them supporting players. Oliver Ekman Larson is thirty-one. Tyler Myers is thirty-two. I believe Pearson is thirty-two. I'm not positive. I mean, if you're not going to win now, then when are you going to win? It's time for this group, and especially the young players on this team, to take the next step. And that next step, at a minimum, is to be a playoff team this year. And your latest uh, Canucks uh, camp preview is actually up on Sportsnet.ca now, as well as of uh, about 2 o'clock this afternoon. And, you know, most recent conversation with Patrick Alvine. His quote was, whatever people think of those last 50 games, it wasn't good enough because we didn't make the playoffs, so let's stop talking about it. We need to be better. 
we move forward to today, Bruce Boudreaux was talking about, you know, there are some things you can take. The confidence that this team got, obviously, you know, the stats back up. They were a really good team for the final 57 games of the season. What can, we, we know where both of those guys stand on, on what you can and cannot take away from the last 50 games. What should we take away from that cameo that they had last year and, and some of the good things that we saw? I would say we, sh- we should take away that they showed when they actually play to their ability, to their potential, and they have uh, a fairly deep buy-in uh, through the lineup that they can beat most teams. They win more often than they don't. I don't entirely agree with, with Patrick Alvin. I loved what he said because of what it implies, like the standard that they're looking for. The, the uh, again, uh, part of the culture. I'll try to do one of these hits this year without mentioning the word culture, but, you know, what they're trying to establish with this group is, as far as expectations. Uh, I love that part of it. And to, to a large extent, I agree, because if you keep focusing on how great things were last spring, chances are they're not going to be so great this fall. You, ha- you, you have to look forward. On the other hand, that 32, 15, and 10, that did rep- represent a 649 winning percentage, which is comfortably in the playoffs, if you can do that over a full season. So it shows that they can be a playoff team when they play that way. And they're better. They should be better with you know, the guys they've added, but especially just another year of growth, development of all these 20-something core players. They, sh- they should be better. Um, but there's, you know, an awful lot of, of pressure. And if you have any kind of complacency, and I know that sounds rid- ridiculous to mention that C word, complacency, with a group that's missed the playoffs six years out of seven. But again, if, if anybody thinks, hey, we were really good for the last 57 games, we've got it all figured out, they're going to be, you know, f- flat on their ass again at the start. And they can't afford a start resembling anything like their starts of the last two years where they basically played themselves out of it in the first 20 games and then it was a a crazy uh catch-up drive after that they they can't do that again so they have to be have to look forward be focused but they should be good enough uh to make the playoffs and once you're in who knows pretty pretty lofty goal to be in the final eight especially when you consider that even if they make the playoffs, there's a very strong likelihood they're they're not going to be the favorite in in the first round, you know, unless you're going to get 105 points, and I don't know this 105 point team, but uh, they they should have the expectation that they expressed today that they're going to be a playoff team at a minimum. So uh, I have the expectation that they'll be a playoff t- team, and I believe they will be. We were talking earlier. Now the at some point, they're probably going to go two and eight because I, I don't know if this is a consistent team. They're going to have an eight and two stretch. They're going to have a two and eight stretch. It works out to be you know in around that six hundred hockey uh, throughout the course of the season. Are they? Okay. Are, 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 sorry, Ben. Sorry. You lost me. Eight and two and two and eight is five hundred. I, I I think I sorry. I meant that like they'll get to ninety eight points. That's six hundred hockey. Okay. But like they're going to have volatile swings. Are they set up now to finally be like a, a team that can be resilient? Now, that's that mentality growth that we can talk about, but are they going to be a team that can take that haymaker and learn how to evolve with it? Well, they, they seem to have uh, made a lot of progress in the final two-thirds of last season 
of getting through their bad spells, both in games and in the schedule. And towards the end, you know, they had, they kind of ran out of gas. They also have key injuries, Horvat and, and Demko, especially when they went out late in the year. But for the most part, I thought they learned a lot last year about limiting those bad spells. Uh, and again, big picture and little picture, even in games. Like if you have a couple of bad shifts, play your way out of it. Have a good shift. Go down to the offensive zone. Put a low pressure on them. I thought they did a lot. Uh, better job at those kind of things in the second two-thirds certainly than they did in the first third but I'm not so sure that this should be uh, an erratic team if you look at the depth they have up front and you look at Boudreaux's stated goal to have three lines that can score and he's he confirmed last week in Penticton that his plan is is to use the three big centers on different lines so that he can roll out a top nine he thinks he has enough good wingers now that even if you're on the third line that line is going to get better matchups and that line is going to have enough talent to, to score goals. So if you have more scoring depth, you should be a little bit more insulated against uh, individuals going cold. You also have one of the best goalies in the NHL, a guy who's already uh, a top six goalie uh, in Thatcher Demko. And, you know, that's like having great starting pitching that you're, you're in every game and you shouldn't really, uh, you shouldn't really go on spells where you lose a bunch in a row. So I, I think consistency is actually going to be one of the keys for them. And if, if they show themselves to be, uh, first of all, a winning team, so win more than they lose, mm-hmm. but be a consistent team in those first two months of the season, then I think that's a very good sign, a very good harbinger of what they can become as they get better through the season. Because one of the concerns I have is if we're, if we're plotting out potential pitfalls is I don't necessarily look at all of this as very stable because Bruce Boudreaux is on a one-year deal. we got some new assistants coming in and the captain's on a one-year deal. Like I, One of the fears I have, misguided or not, is in, in a situation where they slip up, suddenly like a lot of things can, can crack underneath them real fast. Yeah, well, that, I think that goes with every team that hasn't won. Uh, it certainly goes with for young teams, but I think it goes for any team that is still trying to establish uh, a certain level of success that has eluded them. You're always going to be, it's like being a starting goalie. Until you're a starting goalie, you're not. And it doesn't matter how good a backup you are because it's totally different. Until you're a winning team, until you're a playoff team for a couple of years in a row, you're not. And you have to figure out how to do that. Uh, you know, whether because the coach is on a one-year deal, because the captain's on a one-year, you know, that shouldn't, that shouldn't affect a team. That shouldn't bring down all these other players who, who are capable of playing at a high level, who are capable of producing goals. And you have, you have a good enough goalie that, that you're not going to give up a whole lot. Uh, I, to me, the, the, you know they have to start well, but what really the biggest danger is because they're so reliant on certain guys. And we've mentioned Demko. Let's state the obvious that they have no other Quinn Hughes. They've never had a Quinn Hughes. They don't have another one in their pocket. So if something happens to him, they're in trouble. I mentioned off the top the deficiencies at the bottom of the defense. That means if something happens to Myers or Ekman Larson, that's really troublesome as as well. But if if this group stays healthy, you know they're not so reliant on any one forward uh, they have a pretty good group there and as uh, i have a lot of confidence 
in in Demco that no matter what's going on in front of him, that he's going to be very good again. So uh, I, you know, I think there's a a lot of a lot of things that are pointing towards uh, a good season, but they have to have as Alvin has sort of been trying to get them. They have to be looking forward. They can't be looking back at last year and thinking of all the great things they they did. They have to have a hunger. They have to have their young players embrace this idea that the only barometer that counts this year is whether they're a playoff team or not. And once you're there, then how far you go. It doesn't matter if you, if Elias Pettersson gets 40 goals and they miss playoffs. It doesn't matter if Quinn Hughes is an all-star and gets 70 points, but they miss playoffs. It doesn't matter if Thatcher Demko uh, is in the Vesna discussion, but they miss the playoffs. The bottom line is, you know, your, your best players have to lead you and and it's unfair but it's this way in sports your your best players are pretty much going to determine where the rest goes you obviously have to have a group around them but looking at this this roster right now this is the strongest group around the best players since the Canucks were uh, a Stanley Cup finalist team you're listening to the People Show. We're joined by Ian McIntyre, and Ian, you talked about you know Quinn Hughes a little bit earlier on, and we are probably going to see some sort of experimentation. I know Bruce Boudreau has mentioned that. Yeah, playing him on the right sides. Let's see how that looks. The other experimentation that we'll likely see also is just where Mikheyev plays. You can use this guy in pretty much any single line you want. Well, what's the more intriguing thing for you? Is it Quinn on the right hand side, or just what Mikheyev looks like on the ice and who he plays with? Yeah, I, I think Mikheyev is going to be great with whoever he plays with. Bruce Boudreaux said uh, last week that it, he's gone over this 5,000 times in his mind, and he's still not set, although I don't know if that was totally honest because he must have had an idea a week before training camp who was going to start camp. I think Hughes, Hughes on the right side, that's going, to be, that's going to be fascinating. The forwards, who plays with whom, people are going to be obsessed with that, and there's going to be... There's going to be vehement and and passionate discussion. This guy shouldn't be playing with this guy, and this guy should be be playing ahead of that guy. The point is they have uh, enough good forwards to have three good lines, and their fourth line should be better as well. I mean, think about last year. The the third line uh, during the best part of the year under Boudreaux was Tyler Mott, Yuho Lamico, and Matthew Highmore. And now potentially you could have a third line of Let's just spitball and say Pedersen with Kuzmenko and Mikhaev. You know that's that's a pretty good that's a pretty good upgrade there. And I and as far as Mikhaev goes, he's one of these guys. You know he does so many things well. He's not going to be a great scorer, so I don't know if he's on the first line, but he's certainly not going to be at the bottom of your lineup. He, he he's a guy I think you're going to notice wherever he plays. All that said, I think the most important things to figure out for this team in the preseason is what's, what is your defense going to look like? Is Patrick Alvin going to succeed in adding another NHL defenseman who can pass the puck and improve the bottom half? Is Jack Rathbone ready to play in the NHL? And if he is, could he even play with Tyler Myers on a second pairing where he has the benefit of Myers' experience and you, you now have a dynamic guy on your second pairing and a dynamic guy on the first with Quinn Hughes? And and if he's not, then then what does the bottom of the defense look like? You know, Kizmenko could be on the first line, could be on the third line. Pearson, uh, when I looked at the lines in the summer, thinking that Dickinson might be 
the third center again. I thought Pearson could be on the fourth line. Well, maybe he's going to be with Bo Horvat again. There's a lot of moving parts on the wings. I think you'll find some pairings there that are pretty consistent, one center, one winger, and then the third person moves around a lot. But to me, it's uh, as far as training camp and figuring out what this team's going to look like, I think they need to figure out what their defense is going to look like. Uh, now, Bruce did say today that uh, the lines we see tomorrow are the ones he'd like to see on opening night. Uh, we'll, we'll put the coach's hat on you. Uh, you can craft one line, Ian. Uh, what one line do you want to see together? Whew. It's not often uh, you, you stump me because there's so many there's so many line possibilities. It's it's infinite. I, I guess what I want to see is. I'd like to see Pod Colson uh, on the first line with Miller and and Besser, because if he can play there uh, and a certain style, I think that gives them a lot of luxury on the second and third lines to have, you know, really balanced lines to have Kuzmenko lower down the lineup and and Mikhaev and Garland and and really get three three balanced lines. So. I'll say that. Well, Ian, uh, safe. Vasily Pod Colson, first line left winger. Yeah. There we go. Uh, honestly, there's been a lot of uh, we, we we pitched that to people, and it, he's been in every single lineup combination. I, I feel like he's the the most intriguing player of this training camp. Well, they have a lot, and I I was listening. Uh, I haven't had great reception all, all the way through my drive. But I was listening to you guys as best I can, as I always do. Yes. No Thank where you. Man. I am. Thank you. And and you're right in that there's a whole bunch of guys where if you're looking at, well, what's a good season? Well, 20 goals and 40 points is a good season for Pod Coles. And it's a good season for Kuzmenko. It's probably a, a good or a really good season uh, for Mikheyev. Um And when you have guys like that who aren't, you know, clear, they're, they're not pigeonholed as this guy's only a checker, this guy's only a scorer, then it gives you a lot more options about about where they play, and it's going to be fun for fans to watch and debate. Uh, Ian, for us too. Uh, oh yeah, for sure. Uh, please drive safe, and uh, we'll see you soon. All right, guys. Uh, training camp is here. It gets real. It's going to be a blast. Yeah. Uh, it's Ian McIntyre, Sportsnet.ca. Here on six fifty here, and also uh, on your televisions as well. Uh, this insider on Sportsnet 650 brought to you by Grip Auto and Tire. Quality service you can trust and 14 locations to serve you. Bick Nazar, Randy Janda here. As, uh, Quinn Hughes on with uh, Tim and Friends. That's Getting right. A little national love as they uh, get ready for... Uh... He was doing the media tour. Yeah. He's, he's gone Hollywood, man. The Quinn, this is Quinn Hughes' moment. One more stop for him uh, before tomorrow. We'll do Don't At Me on the other side, but let's wrap up turf trivia as we uh, head to break here. Uh, we asked you for a four-pack of tickets to the Lions and Stampeders at BC Place this Saturday. Who led the Boston College Eagles in scoring in Thatcher Demko's first season at BC in 2013-14? Who was it, Randy? The correct answer, the guy who's in Columbus now, Johnny Gaudreau. Yes, he was number one in scoring on the team. Number two, Kevin Hayes was second on that team. Congratulations to... Chloe in Vancouver. Chloe, you won a four-pack of tickets to Lions versus Stampeders at BC Place this coming Saturday. Vancouver.
picking up the belt and the big W as well. Uh, good shouts in the 650-650 Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. We'll come back with one more segment. We'll do the people's picks. Don't at me as well if you want to get those submissions in. 650-650 into our text message inbox. Big Nazar, Randy, Janda, wrapping up the show next. Home of the Canucks, Sportsnet. This is the People's Show with Bick Nazar and Randy Janda. Welcome back to the show. Final segment of the People's Show. Coming to you live from the Kintech studio. This hour of the People's Show brought to you by Avenue Machinery and Douglas Lake Equipment, your Kubota All-Star team. AvenueMachinery.ca, Douglas Lake Equipment.com. We'll get to Don't At Me in just a moment. Get your submissions in 650-650 as well. Uh, but let's get to it. We'll do the People's Picks. It's time for the People's Picks brought to you by Play Now Sports. Every game will feel like the big game when you bet with Play Now Sports brought to you by BCLC. Looking ahead to the Thursday nighter. Love looking at our props. Maybe an official pick tomorrow. Maybe a big six pick. I don't know. Mm. Remember we were talking about like how every game on Thursdays is great now? Like on paper? Yeah. I mean, they started hot. Yes. When you look at like, okay, the franchises, you're saying, okay, you know, before the season begins or a few months ago, this is a marquee matchup. Rams, Bills, Chargers, Chiefs, Steelers, Browns. I mean, they're, they're iconic franchises. That's about it right now, though. That's about it. But still... Money to be made. That's the most important part. Trubisky versus Jacoby Brissett is the uh, Kiwi match. Maybe in the USFL. We are we are, talking about the NFL? We are all witnesses to a fantastic, fantastic Kiwi matchup tomorrow. Okay. And for my prop bets, I'm not focusing on either one of those guys. <laughs> Why not? Directly. I'm not Why focusing not? on either one of my guys. Uh, okay. I am starting at the running back spot for the Cleveland Browns. So Nick Chubb, over-under on this at playnow.com, uh, is over-under 79.5 yards, rushing yards. And I'm going to go over on this. Steelers gave up 82 to Mixon in Week 1. They gave up 71 to Damian Harris on 15 carries in Week 2. And Nick Chubb, 87 on 17 carries last week against Dom's Jets. And remember, 141 Versus the Panthers in week one. Like, the guy has been doing his job. And this game against the Steelers is going to be grinded out. It's not going to be action-packed. There's going to be a lot on the ground. Chubb, for, you know, I think he gets 79. He gets over 80 yards. I think that's an easy one for me. It's going to be U-G-L-Y. Ugly. Oh, this yeah. This game tomorrow? You ain't got no alibi. Mitch Trubisky ain't got no alibi, man. No. No. That actually leads to my second prop bet. Under Chase Claypool on 39 and a half yards. I know he's a local boy. That's low, man. I know he's a local boy. That's but really low. You know what's also low? His total after two games. A total of 44 yards through two. Mitch ain't throwing the ball downfield. Yeah, it's rough. It is rough. Give me the under on that, too. I, I kind of like that one as well. Uh, the, the problem with that one is it's, it's one big play, right? You've watched Steelers football. No, I know. That but play it's, ain't coming. It's just, just one big play. That's all it is. If Pickett comes in, maybe. I'm worried about that one. I'm not worried about it with Mitch Trubisky. Unless there's a lot of yards after catch for Chase Claypool, which I just don't see it happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, one that I like, uh, Jacoby Brissett 
Uh, you, you like the unders and things. Yeah. Look, Jacoby Brissett is fine. He's he's AFC Geno Smith to me. Sure. Just I- can just manage the game, okay? 186 passing yards. It's a low, low number. You might just get 187, but I'm going to take the over on this one for Jacoby Brissett. Uh, and the other one, I'm actually looking at the total in the game, 38 and a half under. I know it's low. Like, hey, anything can happen here. Historically, the extremes uh, on the over, if you see a 61, it's like, that's a lot of points. Let's take the under. So, sometimes it's inflated that high because they're going to hit it easily. Yeah. The extremes on either end traditionally hit uh, reasonably well. So uh, I'll take the under at 38 and a half. Even it's really, really low. Yeah, they're not they're not good teams. So I, I don't blame you on that one. I, I see just a lot of dinking and dunking. Yes. Good so, tackling. And then make sure you don't give up one big play. So you're going on the under there. You're going on the over with Jacoby Brissett passing yards. I'm going Nick Chubb over on 79 and a half rushing yards and under on Chase Claypool receiving yards, which is 39 and a half. Uh, we'll get into more of it tomorrow as well with the people's picks into Friday uh, leading into the weekend. That is the people's picks brought to you by Play Now Sports. When you choose to bet on sports at playnow.com, you're playing on the only site whose profits go back to BC. Know your limit. Play within it. All right. Do it every day here on The People Show. Let's wrap up the show in style with Don't At Me. Your takes uninterrupted. Don't at me. Text in your submissions to 650-650. Don't at me. I said. You got to take. Drop it into our inbox. 650-650. A lot already on the way in. Let's get to it. Unless you guys got one. I'll start. I'll start with one here. Don't at me. Starting the season with Jacob Chikrin on the roster would be a major mistake for the Coyotes. This guy has already said he's pretty much done with the rebuild. He voiced his displeasure. He made it clear. Now you're going to end up bringing him back. This ain't going to end well. Like, how does this end well when the guy's already said, yeah, I'm sick of this. He's basically in OEL mode already. Like OEL when he was with Arizona Coyotes. I'm sure there were some deals to be had. I don't know if this situation is going to improve for the Coyotes if they bring him back. Because what happens? The player gets more disgruntled. It's not a good look. Is this a Matt Duchesne kind of scenario here? Is this a Max Pacioretty scenario here? The Duchesne one might be a decent comparison because premium position. But the Coyotes are... I I just don't see... You probably have a a high price anyways. Maybe some teams were willing to match it. Vic, I don't know how the, the value goes up here, especially if the player is ticked off. I don't think it's... Like, it's not a good sign for the Arizona Coyotes. And... You even have availabilities today where he's being questioned about how long he's going to stick around, how he was maybe expecting to leave the team last year and nothing happened over the summer. We know how this turns out. Dom? Uh, Don't at me. Austin Matthews may consider Toronto home, but this season will be utterly entertaining as he milks Toronto for all they have. We can skim past that one. It's my guy right there. Let's go. (laughs) Let's go. (laughs) He... He might, hey, you can have a home in multiple cities. He's not, he might not be lying. You'll be like, yeah, I'm going to keep a home in Toronto. I'm going to buy one else wherever I play. Did you see that TikTok? What was that? I, I had someone send me just a video of, it's like, what do you love about hockey? It's like, the thing I love about hockey is that it just feels like hockey. <laughs> it's like, what? Is this a face swap thing? I don't know if you can find that. I'll try. We can play that for you. But it was uh, a video of Austin Matthews, I guess, at Media Day. Uh, don't at me. 
We got this one from Rager. Don't at me, but the next five years should all be playoff years for the Canucks. If they've missed even once, it's a massive failure on the entire organization. So forget this year. Mm -hmm. Next five is what Rager said. I mean, they, they wear the, the failures. Yeah, I get that. Um, I might separate the management group a little bit just because they haven't necessarily made a lot of changes. There's a limit to what they can yeah. send out in terms of money. Like, you don't, if you make a Myers deal, let's just say this this Tyler Myers deal to, to free up cap space, you're probably having to give something away, right? Draft pick, mm -hmm. young prospect, whatever it is, does that make you better in the next? So, yeah, that's something you have to, you have to live in that world if you're this management group, even though you didn't create it yourself. Uh, don't at me. Nathaniel Hackett on Sunday night will be made to realize that he is the new Adam Gaze. Ooh. Oh, oh, I'm you, not adding you at all. You don't wish that upon anybody, man, but woo. that's that's a new thing. People will realize that he is uh, the new Adam Gaze. Okay, honest question. Is he already done for? He's coaching for his job. No, like, is he, like, reputationally, the man's yeah. already a gif, a meme, the whole thing. Like, he's... I don't think you can recover from week one. And then week two. And then week two. Well, no, but week it, one was so bad that even if week two didn't even happen, I think week one no, on its own, I, I think it was bad enough. I disagree. Really? Yeah. I think it's the I, week two adding on to it that's made it as bad as it is. I think yeah, I think week two is might have been worse. Mm. The home crowd. Like I, thought whole, it, I thought it was cooked after week one. The man. public outcry of like, oh, our Seahawks fans booing Russell Wilson at, after all that. Denver fans booed the offense and the team and chanted down the play clock. It was ridiculous. And then you didn't send out a punt returner. You called timeout on that play. Like, honestly, what was the worst thing that would happen if there was a no punt returner out there? Yeah. Oh, it just bounces? Yeah, it just goes in the end zone or bounces or whatever. Uh, and cue the Nathaniel can't hack it text yeah. coming in I, I, immediately. I think, I think the Adam Gaze comps will happen. Oh, man, that's rough. Starting Sunday night versus the 49ers. Yeah, as, as two fan bases that had him as a coach, Dom and I can... Oh, that, that's right. You, you don't want that comparison. You don't <laughs> want that comparison. That's a... Those are dark years. Uh, this one from Torgy. Don't at me. Bruce Boudreaux will be dropping the people's elbow this weekend. Can you imagine that? Yes. Rolls in. Rolls into the Pacific Coliseum, or whatever he called it yeah. in the interview with us. All jokes aside, you can't see it, right? I can see it happening. Yeah. I don't know if it's the people's elbow. He's going to do some finisher, though. I, I Without knowing for sure. I but think I, it's going to happen. For this show, I hope it's the people's elbow. It'd be great, great content. Uh, By God, that's Bruce Boudreaux's music. Just, just like the way camp is set up. I think there's enough time for him to get to uh, Whistler to Pacific Coliseum. Okay, when we brought it up. It's like right there. When we brought it up on Monday. His eyes lit up. Lit up. Like he was... I wish we had the stream going that day at the Milford. Like he was... Lit up like me on a Saturday night. Exactly. Oh, okay. <laughs> we hung out on Friday, but uh, okay, Saturday oh, that as well. Friday? Yeah. <laughs> You're pretty lit up that night. I'm sure too. he'll call Frankie and be like, uh, Frank, can I borrow... No, that was Saturday. The... What are you talking about? Was it Saturday? Yeah. I don't remember. It was after the Whitecaps Oh, game. yeah, that's I right. Yeah, the that's game. right. Look at you too. Maybe I was lit up too. <laughs> Do you think Frankie would lend him the helicopter? Do we know if uh, Francesco has one? Oh, come on. He He's might. got a plane, we know that. I know if you're landing that in Whistler. I think you just managed to find helicopters if you're running in, <laughs> yeah. in those circles. If you're a billionaire, you yeah. could probably find one. Uh, it's not like I was trying to find a uh, Evo. Uh, this one. Uh, 
Don Gretz from Williams Lake. Don't at me, but no Horvat. Uh, sorry, Bo Horvat will not start the season here and will be traded. Don't at me from Don. If that's the case, the helicopter could be used for that too. <laughs> from Whistler. Uh, we got this one. Joss and Sycamus coming in with Don't at me. It will take less than three years to make Montreal look like geniuses for passing on Shane Wright. So Slavkovsky is what you're saying is going to be the real deal. As a Slovak, I have to agree. A very, a very strong Slovak theme today on yeah. today's show. But could, like, is that even important? Just, just enjoy your own player. I, I'm not uh, sure. I, I, I'm not sure on. if that's like a chain. Wright's gonna be a bust, or Lakowski's gonna be great. I don't know, man. After that, hey, it wasn't a death stare, but we all know it was a death mm-hmm. stare. I think now, I think it does matter if he's he pans out or not. If Ooh. yeah, if Shane Wright pans out and turns into the next Sidney Crosby or whatever, mm-hmm. and Slavkowski's just like a good guy. Yeah, they're going to be compared their whole career. If that happens, yes. But I think this is saying... This is saying the opposite. That they'll look like geniuses for passing on him. Oh, okay. Yeah. So if, then like, yes. if, if Lekosky is good, who cares what happens with Shane Wright? Just be happy you've got a great player. Yeah, because your That's pick was happens. ahead of these guys. Yeah. Like, if it's Seattle saying the other way around, like, hey, look at our guy. He's so much better than the guy you took. He's the best one-two punch in the league with Matty Beneers for the next 10 years. Then you but, got more of a. Then you got more of a. I see. We dunked on you, kind of. But even if Shane Wright is great, like if Slavkowski lives up to his potential, I think you're just like, wow, our player's awesome. Yeah, but you know how sports fandom works. Babe. Don't worry about that. The slander. What do Josh, I say? What do I say in sports and sports radio? Slander is the most important. Josh, don't thing. worry. Josh, just don't worry about that. Just, just enjoy your own. He's salty player. and sick of moose. Leave him alone. That's fine. Uh, Keith, the water guy. Don't at me. The Maple Leafs' main sponsor should be Ego Waffles. Yeah, if they went milk, you can Ego's next. Like, it's not that far away, man. We're did talking see, about breakfast. Did you see Doug Gilmore's uh, tweet? The cow pants? Yeah, he's like, new new profile picture. And he's got cow pants. The new Cooperalls? Cow Cooperalls? 30 years ahead of the game. Oh, man. Don't at me. Nick Chubb will come up one yard short of 79 yards because he'll stop short of the end zone <laughs> instead of scoring. Glennon Richmond. No, man. You, you score that touchdown all day. That's on the defense. They got to make some stops. Come on. Get your, get your fantasy points, Nick Chubb. Did we read this one from Kevin in Coquitlam? I don't believe we did. Don't at me. JT Miller and Patrick Alvine looking like a poor man's Clark Kent and Lex Luthor out there. <laughs> JT wearing the glasses today. Very uh, Daily uh, Mail. Sorry, Daily Planet. Yeah, yeah. He, he looks like he not only writes a newspaper, he also reads one. Looks very smart. Uh, whereas Patrick Alvine. Reading those spreadsheets. <laughs> yeah, he's he's getting up on the, uh, the analytics just to see how he can improve his defense even more so. Patrick Alvin, I'd be curious. Like I, like he's very silent, but at the Canucks Halloween party, if he makes an appearance, I feel like he might have the best costume. He just strikes me as a guy that, like, in front of the cameras, doesn't say much. Behind the scenes, might be a little, might be a little, lot more charismatic than we think. What do we think the Patrick Alvin Halloween costume would be? Pennywise the clown. Oh, you had that in the holster, ready to he go. He was ready with that one. I'm not even sure we can come up with a better one. Man, he's the GM of the team. The players are already scared up, of him. Pennywise. <laughs> Full makeup, so he's not that noticeable yeah. if, like, there's a picture taken. The old gen or the new gen version? Oh, anyways? old. New. Yeah. New, 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 oh, new, okay. new. I'm for it. Okay, we had this text a little bit earlier on. I forget who sent it in, but don't at me. It was Connor Garland has to score 25 goals to justify his contract. Mm-hmm. And with that, is it more about the goals or more about the points? 
Because if he hits 60, I don't care how he gets there. He's I a care good player. more about the points. I know a lot of people complained about the, the goal-scoring slump last year. Uh, I care more about the overall points. Goal creation is what I care about. I'm more of the points, too, because we've also seen him be a pretty solid playmaker. Mm -hmm. Points per 60-wise. So the 25, I'm not on that. Now, what's that point total? If it's 55 or 60, I can agree with that text. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you can't be 17 goals and 28 assists. No. Whatever that comes out to. No, that, that ain't going to work. Yeah. We got to see him in the top six, though. He's got to be in the top six consistently. I don't, I don't want... I don't want to see Connor Garland in the third line. Uh, 650-650 with don't at me. Uh, I had one more here. Been losing text all day today. Oh, Marcus and Gibsons. Don't at me. The Canucks don't make the playoffs if Demko starts less than 60 games. I do want to discuss that because that's something that was brought up here. Uh, and Thatcher Demko essentially just talked about, hey, I'll do what the team needs me to do. And, and this is why, like, the start of the season – is so important. Coaches aren't going to be able to control themselves. Even Bruce Boudreaux here. Coaches want to get two points every single night. Now you try to put into consideration what the outlook of the season looks, but if they're below the playoff line, you know who's going to play a lot? Thatcher Demko. Spencer if, who? Yeah, seriously. If they're above the playoff line and with a bit of a cushion, you're going to see some rotation. But without a certain level of comfortability of where you are in the playoff chase, coaches won't be able to contain themselves and just say, hey, what gives you the best chance to get two points tonight? Thatcher? Okay, go out there. You run the risk, but the whole point is, how do we get the next two points to try to put ourselves yeah. in the playoffs? And you deal with the ramifications later. Stuff like this is why the start of the season is so important. We talk about American Thanksgiving, just getting there, and, and what that means... You have to have success at the start of the season to pace yourself the rest of the way and control what you can control with a bit of a lead in the standing. No, that's a great point. And you think Thatcher Demko's wired the way of like, hey, I'm going to, you know, no player, 60 kilometers per hour on this. I'm going to, no, he's 100 miles per hour. He no wants to athlete, play every single game. No athlete is going to say, ah, hey, give me a night off. No. But I think boxers keep going back to the ring, man. No. And what did we hear from Ian Clark a few months ago? It was that goalies have a role to inspire their team. They'll do anything to get their team the W. So even if the team wins because of them, that's their job to inspire. That's the mindset that Ian Clark has, you know, I think in a lot of ways, maybe educated or at least conveyed to his goalies. That that's a part of your job. So you know Thatcher Demko already thinks that. The other thing is Clark, when we chatted in May, we asked him about that sweet spot. 57 to 60 is what he said. On the high end, 62. But the sweet spot is 57 to 60. And even then, you'd like to shade it 55, If you can. 52. If you're comfortable at some point, those back-to-backs are going to be a couple early on in the year. But yeah, if you start in a bad way, I'm not talking about as bad as last year, but even something comparable where you're saying you're sub 500, the pressure on him playing more games just ratchets up a little bit. Because the thing you have to remember, it's not just about it had to get to game 82 and how we lighten the workload. The reason you want to lighten the workload is so your goalie is fresh in the playoffs. If if Thatcher Demko wanted to, and if the Canucks wanted to, they could probably play him 68, 70 games. You probably could. Probably has the physical profile to, to take on that burden. But what version of Thatcher Demko are you going to get for game 83, game 84? That's the reason we have these conversations of goalie workload 
is you want to be able to keep them fresh for games 83 and beyond. If the Canucks are in a spot where they're always chasing the, the playoff bar, Thatcher Demko is going to creep towards 62, 64, 65, and you might just squeak in, and now you've got a fatigued goalie at the end of it. The goal should be 52, 55 games, and you'll see a fresh version of Thatcher Demko at the end. Bruce Boudreaux's saying has been win the week. Yeah. Win the first two weeks. Just uh, like <laughs> the first two weeks of the season, get a good start, set the tone And right they haven't the done it for two seasons. Yeah, they haven't. Can a leopard change their spots? That's one of the biggest questions coming into the season. You saw all the players mention it today. When we were at the Milford, all the players referenced, and we asked them all about it. It's really important that this team, and look, they've got a five-game road trip to start the season. That's going to come up with its own complications. But it's really important for this team, when they look at the schedule, Edmonton, Philly, Washington, Columbus, Minnesota, Buffalo, Carolina, Seattle. Like that stretch, you're going to get New Jersey, Anaheim. They, they have to perform early in the season. And the benefits, A, just to bring the temperature down, mm-hmm. and I mentioned it with, with Ian and, and early in the show, like the stability here, the last thing people want to do is like, what about the coach? What about the the captain? Because yeah. if you're below 500 in middle of November, I know Sat's been talking about this of on, on Connect Central, and they're coming up here in a couple of minutes. If a resolution with Horvat doesn't happen before training camp, does it go to – November, December, yeah. is, is that kind of the deadline? The last thing you want in the middle of November, when they're going to be playing, by the way, L.A., Vegas, Colorado, Vegas, Washington, Florida, in, in the stretch near the end of November, that's a tough stretch. You no. want the, you want this stuff settled and kind of understand the ebbs and flows to your season. You, you want to be able to be able to take a punch because you started well. Yeah, and the reality is that this group hasn't won the benefit of the doubt from a lot of people, so unless... They prove it on the ice to start off the year. The noise will be there. It will be there because, yes, even though 57 games were nice, in the big sense of big scheme of things, they still didn't make the playoffs. They were still not successful as a team throughout the season. So that noise will be there if you don't start off well, and that's going to be something to watch. Right, we got a couple of questions here before we wrap up here. Yeah. Vic, uh, it's always nice to hear from the people. Kurt from Ladner, does British Columbia produce the greatest gen- general managers in the NHL? Burnaby Joe, Iserman. They need to be a tandem for the Canucks at some point. All right, good luck with that. I wouldn't yeah. say GMs only. Coaches. Rod Brindamore. John Cooper. John Cooper. You know, Campbell River. Prince George. Not bad. Two of the best in the league. Reppin. That, yep. Uh, another one. If you're going to buy a, G- a jersey before the season, I don't want Hughes, EP40, or Horvat. Who do you go for? Does it feel is, like... Is Anthony White Rock asking us if we're going to buy a jersey? No, no. I think su- for himself. Suggesting for him. Yeah. A couple of people's questions to end off the show. Okay. I don't do this, but... If there is one buzz Canuck out there right now that everybody is falling in love with, isn't it Vasily Podkolzin? Probably. Isn't he like the you know the people's champ after his end of season media availability and all that? that that's probably Podstolfan. Or or that name on the back of a jersey. Uh, Anthony Wyrock, go with uh, Thatcher Demko, sign long term. Good call. Goaltender. Smart call. Or uh, JT Miller, sign long term. Or he's gonna score a lot. Or of points. be bold, Andre Kuzmenko. <laughs> We keep hoping. <laughs> All right, that's the voice of Statio Shaw. He's on his way uh, with Dan Riccio. Coming up next on Canucks Central over the Canucks Sportsnet 650.